Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, happy Easter and welcome to Abundant Life Church. It is so great to be with you today digitally. My name is Jeremy, I'm the lead pastor here. And and I gotta admit, it's a little bit strange to have an online Easter gathering. Uh, It's just not something I had ever planned on. They don't teach you this in seminary. And yet here we are today, so grateful that you are joining us from wherever it is uh, that you are joining us. And, and, And as we think about Easter, we have certain things that come to mind, but what you may not realize is that Jesus was actually a trendsetter uh, when it comes to what we're experiencing today. Like maybe you've seen Da Vinci's uh, famous painting, The Last Supper, with Jesus and all his disciples gathered around. And, and actually, we know that it didn't look like that. It looked more like this. And, and you know, if you heard of the upper room, this is the upper Zoom, if you will. And, uh, and I, I've seen all sorts of people uh, characterizing, you know, what would it look like for some of these famous things, these moments that we celebrate now if they had social distancing in place for them. And even that phrase is interesting, social distancing. It implies that during this time we have to be distant uh, in the, the interpersonal connections with one another. I want to encourage you, I think a better phrase is physical distancing, that it is the loving thing to do right now to be physically apart from one another, but that does not necessitate social distancing. And especially as we gather together to celebrate Easter, uh, let's let there be no social distance, let there be physical distance, but we gather together around a story of hope that God is alive. And Jesus is with us today. And I'm so grateful that you are here to join us to talk about this story. If you've got your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to go to to the book of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. And I'm gonna do the the Easter message a little bit differently this year. Uh, Oftentimes we'll just read some of the the story of Easter. And and if you've ever been to a church service at Easter, you've you've no doubt heard that. I I wanna talk about the results of this story and, and some of the things that the early church talked about in light of Easter, in light of the fact that there was an empty tomb and that Jesus didn't stay dead. But to do that, I wanna talk about another story as well. And, and you may or may not know that we are coming up on the 50th anniversary of a bizarre event that happened in Oregon uh, on November 9th, 1970. There was a dead 45 foot sperm whale that washed up onto a beach in Florence. And when this whale washed up, it created these problems. What do you do with a giant whale washed up on a beach? And so they started debating, what do we do with this? How do we solve this problem? And there's a number of solutions. They could leave it to decompose naturally. They could try to chop it up and bury it. They could try to light the whole thing on fire, uh, or they could try to blow it up with dynamite and hope that the seagulls ate the remaining chunks of it. And of all those options they chose back in 1970, they picked the last one. They're going to blow it up with dynamite. And I wonder, have you ever tried to solve a problem like that? Now, maybe your problem wasn't a giant dead whale on the beach. Maybe you didn't have dynamite available to you. 
Have you ever had a problem that you thought, I don't know how to solve this. I don't know what to do with this issue here. You know, the coronavirus is presenting all new problems for you and I to, to ad- address, to deal with. And what it's doing is it's making some of the normal problems we have seem kind of trivial by comparison, but it's highlighting some of the more major problems that we have and, and not allowing us to move beyond them, not allowing us to act as if they don't exist. And in this space of, of figuring out what are our major problems and what are the things that we thought were problems that aren't as big of a deal, one of the things that I believe is, is emerging, and I'm, I'm hearing lots of this conversation, is that we're acknowledging this sense of guilt is a real big problem. And especially as you have time to think, and as you are in isolation, those thoughts of guilt become ever more present. Now, for many people, Christianity uh, could be summed up as guilt management. Right? It's the system of how you deal with guilt, how you navigate the, the guilt, how you live in the tension of you always feel guilty. But for many people, they, they come to Christianity with this hope of this is what's going to allow me to navigate this tension better. This is what's going to allow me to deal with this, this guiltiness that I have. And, and so there's many people who approach Christianity with a point of view of I feel guilty. And if you approach Christianity like that, you might be wondering, what can take away my guilty feelings? So if I feel guilty and I don't want to feel this, what can I do? What good things can I do that will make me feel less guilty than I normally feel? And so for many people, maybe that's why they go to church. Maybe that's why they read their Bible. Maybe that's why they they go to Jesus and continually ask for forgiveness. And it can become this system of guilt management uh, under the feeling of, I feel guilty. But there's another version of this in in Christianity that I've often seen. Even if it's not, I feel guilty, it can become, you should feel guilty. Right? And, and no doubt you can think of uh, an experience you had with a Christian or a church where, where that was the feeling they wanted you to feel. Right? You should feel guilty. You should feel bad about yourself or about what you have done. I mean, how many people today associate Christianity with guilt? And, and maybe that's your experience. That's, that's what you're bringing with you today going, yeah, that has been my experience with this. I remember in, in high school, uh, I, I was a Christian in high school and I'd grown up in a Christian home. And, and I remember uh, there's this girl that I liked and we, we started talking about maybe seeing if, if we would work out and whether what, you know, we should date. And, and she went into the, the youth group that I was a part of. And, and so as we were kind of starting this relationship, I remember uh, that, that we came to a, a sticking point uh, that, that we had to just realize we were not compatible. This was not going to work. And it was because she wanted me to feel guilty that I wasn't a good enough Christian. Now you may wonder, what had I done uh, to, to necessitate this, this reaction to her? And, and what it was, was I didn't attend a see you at the pole prayer event at our high school one year. I normally did. I had missed one. I don't even remember why I missed it, but I missed it. And, and we had a conversation where she basically implied, I don't think you're really serious about your faith if you're not gonna attend this. And I remember thinking, Wow, I mean, if this is already the level of guilt that you're bringing to this, I don't think this is going to work out. 
And yet, it wasn't my only experience with the sense of other people, especially Christians, saying, you should feel guilty about what you've done. Let me tell you why you should feel bad about yourself. Now, if you've ever experienced that, and I suspect all of us, wherever you are, whatever, whatever state you're in right now, uh, wherever you're gathering, you probably have had this experience. That is why as our church, our mission statement is that we are giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Because so often it has become bad news. It has become a story of guilt and how to manage your guilt. And oh, you won't feel as guilty if you go to this Jesus. If you go to this God, this will take away your guilt. Now, right now we are in a season where you and I cannot do the things that we normally could do. We're in quarantine and isolation. And in the midst of this season, the amount of shoulds that you and I should be doing is growing and it is getting overwhelming. And I, I just am flooded by these messages of all the things that I should be doing with my extra time right now in the midst of quarantine. Here's a few things I've heard I should do. Uh, I should learn a new skill. Right, So I, I should take up something that I didn't know how to do and I should learn how to do it. I should start some new project or write a book or something. I should become a totally new version of myself. And maybe you've heard this as well. And, 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 and I think that can come from good intentions, but it, it can also add another sense of guilt, another sense of why are you not doing more? Why are you not taking advantage of this? Why are you falling behind? And there was one uh, trauma psychologist that was addressing this, uh, this conversation right now and saying, stop, we need to stop all of this pressure that we're putting on people. And one of the things that she said that that was so good is this, this cultural obsession with capitalistic productivity and always spending time in a productive, fruitful way is absolutely maddening. See, we have this desire of you should be doing more. You should be uh, this and this and this. And if you let those shoulds take over, the guilt that you feel would just continue to grow. Now, studies have shown that on average, we spend about five hours a week dealing with the guilt that we feel, the, the thoughts that run in our mind about guilt. If you added that up in any given week, it's about five hours but I think right now, that's far more than five hours. We have more time to sit and think about it. And we have a whole new list of shoulds that we should be doing that is adding to this. And for so many of us, we're just figuring out how do I manage all of this? And to all of that reality, I wanna bring in the Easter story. I wanna show you what, what happened on the cross and what it means for us, most importantly. And so one of the, the uh, early Christians, a guy named Paul, and, and he, he writes this letter, and it's in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to, to read with me, but we're going to go to verse 9. And, and I want to show you as Paul looks at what does it mean that Jesus died and rose again? What does that mean for you and I? This is one of the things that Paul said. He said, for God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior, 
He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. There's so much here, but, but I want you to, to realize that Easter is a twofold event. Uh, we often talk about, oh, it's the, it's the resurrection. That, that's the Sunday of Easter. But the Easter event begins on Friday, uh, Good Friday, as, as we now call it, and we celebrate it, where, where we take a moment and we celebrate the fact that Jesus was willing to die for us. And so from Friday to, to Sunday, you have this Easter event and, and you have the crucifixion, which shows us what God is like. Uh, if you ever wonder what God is like, you can look to the cross and go, oh, that is what God is like. That is God revealing God's self to us. That, that's what God looks like. But then the resurrection is the vindication that this version of God and this version of living, this version of reality, it really works. And that ultimately power is found in this type of sacrifice and surrender. And so we see what God is really like, and then we see the vindication of that revelation. This is what Easter is all about. It is an incredible transformation event. But here's the reality. If you get caught up into guilt management, you will miss the power of, of Easter. You will miss the power of what this event has done, of what the cross has done. And I would suggest that guilt management is a cheap substitution for truly experiencing the person of Jesus. See, guilt management is a cheap substitution. You may go, why? And if you were writing things down, here's something I'd encourage you to write down and just think about. Our guilt and shame cause us to live as if Easter never happened. You see, when you and I give into this and you and I spend a lot of time on, on, on the guilt that I feel and the shame that I feel, we are essentially negating through our actions what happened at Easter. We're saying, yeah, yeah, I know that you did some stuff, Jesus, but that doesn't really change my reality. It doesn't really change what, what I'm experiencing in the day to day. We, we can live as if Easter never happened. And it misses this incredible story that, that the grave did not contain the body of Jesus. He, he was resurrected back to life. There is a power that is emerging in the midst of this. Now, let's go back to, to our, our story of the well. There's an engineer in charge uh, of, of this process of once they decide they're going to explode the well, uh, how much dynamite do you use? And so the engineer opted for half a ton of dynamite, even though other people suggested, I, I think this is more than you need. This is too much. Said, no, 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 this is going to be good. And so on November 12th, a crowd of spectators came to watch. They came to watch this event. And if you think you're bored in quarantine, imagine how bored you need to be to think this is a good idea, to go show up and watch uh, them explode a whale right in front of you. But that's what they came to do. And they set the dynamite off and they exploded the whale sky high. And the, the TV uh, news reporter who was reporting on this and, and, and put together this whole piece had an incredible quote that I want to repeat. He said, the blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. That's Paul Lindman with a great line. And you're going, what? Uh, I bet you never thought you'd hear about a, an exploding whale at Easter, huh? But what happened when they exploded this well is very quickly, they began to realize, I think we've got a problem. 
I think our solution that we were convinced was gonna work isn't going to be as good of a solution as we thought. And maybe you've noticed that with guilt management as well. Maybe you've noticed that although a lot of people do it, a lot of people live this way, a lot of people seem to to try to, to manage through their guilt and maybe even use Christianity to do it, that ultimately it's not really a great solution. There's a lot of questions that begin to emerge. How good is good enough? How how do you know how good you need to be to to be good enough in this system? How much forgiveness do you actually need before you have enough? And how long does this good feeling last? And what happens when it doesn't last long enough and you keep feeling and you keep going back to that place? So right now we are all experiencing uh, new perspectives into life because we're, we're losing a lot of things that we had. And, and that might be a loss for you of, of uh, finances. Maybe you lost a job or have been financially negatively impacted this. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And, and right now there, there's this collective sense of loss that is providing a sobering reality of, of life and, and the dynamics of life. And one author named Joyce Rubb, she said this, There are numerous ways in which the darkest moments of our spiritual life are teaching us and guiding us to new vision and deeper living. And I think that's happening right now, that we are are being guided into a new vision of what does it mean to live deeper without some of these things that, that maybe were numbing us a little bit. What does it mean? And one of the things is that we're being reminded that we are mortal and that we are fragile. We often like to think of ourselves like superheroes and we think, yeah, that affects other people. It won't affect me. But hopefully in this season, you, you have a, a, a new appreciation that, that we're fragile, that we're mortal, that, that none of this should be taken for granted. And in light of that, we can connect with the Easter message that, that God was willing to die that, that Jesus was willing to experience this mortality with us, that, that God could be killed. But ultimately, that even in this death, there was a new life. There was a new hope. There was a new perspective. You see, the hope of Easter is that Jesus offers you life over death. That we are all more aware of death right now than, than perhaps we've been in a long time And at Easter, we can celebrate that there's life even in the midst of death. See, Easter didn't happen because Jesus escaped death or didn't die. It happened precisely in the death, that that together they were were there. And this is the power that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy. Again, I, I read this, but notice verse 10, that he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. You see, this message is a way to life both now and for eternity. Now, often, oftentimes we talk about Christianity and go, oh, that's eternal life. That'll be so good when you die. And that is certainly one element of this. But it misses that we have life right now. This is what Paul's talking about. This is good news, not just when you die. This is good news now, even in the face of Death, Even in the face of loss, we have a hope. So I want to ask you, has the power of death been broken in your life? 
As you look at this Easter story of God breaking the power of death, has this happened for you? Have you experienced the power of death being broken? And you might go, well, how would I know? How would I know whether the power of death has been broken? Well, here's one way in the context we've been talking about to ask this question is, are you playing the game of guilt management? Are you going back and forth? Are you expecting Jesus to help you feel better about yourself when you feel guilty? Is that all that this is? This, this transaction between you and God of, of hey, I, I don't feel great. Help me feel better. And then you go right back to what you were feeling before. Are you settling for a bad solution? You know, it's been said that, that guilt, unresolved guilt, is like a snooze alarm going off in your head, although you can never stop it. And for many of you, that, that has described your reality. You just have this nagging sense of guilt that is just there, and you're trying to figure out what to do with it. But if you decide, you know what, I'm just going to manage my way through it, I want to encourage you that's ultimately a bad solution as was the decision to blow up a whale on the Florence beach. Now, after the explosion, chunks of rotting whale uh, began landing on everything and everyone. In fact, uh, one piece even destroyed a car more than a quarter mile away. And now the stench of this rotting whale overwhelmed the entire area and the entire coastline was now filled with this stench. Now, the irony of this story is that the majority of the whale stayed on the beach. They didn't even uh, disintegrate the majority of the whale. They just blew parts of it up. But the majority of the whale was still there. You see, the problem hadn't gone away. They had just spread it around for miles. And, and I think that's what happens with a lot of our solutions when it comes to our spirituality. We, we don't actually solve the problem. We just spread it around to all areas of our life. And I want to encourage you today. I have some good news for you. That managing guilt, it's a bad solution. And you might go, well, well why? I, I think I'm doing okay with it. I've, I've managed this way for a long time. Here's why. Because guilt management leads to a loss of life. If you are playing this game, or if you are stuck in this cycle, what you are actually experiencing is a loss of life. I'm not talking about eternity. I'm talking about right now you are experiencing a loss of what God has for you. And, and, and sadly, so many people say, that's good enough for me. And yet that is our real problem. It's not the guilt that you feel. That's not your ultimate problem. Your ultimate problem is that you are, are, are dying inside. You're not living the way you're supposed to live. But this is where the hope of Easter shines through. One of the things that the Apostle Paul said, and this is an intriguing argument. He makes this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. But the reverse of that sentence is also true. If Christ has been raised, as this story that we're celebrating today, this, this idea that he did not stay dead, if Christ has been raised, then your faith is useful and you are not guilty of your sins. That you now live in this new reality and it all hinges on, was Jesus truly raised? Did this actually work? And if it did, you're not bound to the guilt management cycle any longer. 
You see, those who are fully alive in Jesus do not carry the weight of guilt. And friends, that is some good news for you and I today, that those who have, have experienced this life in the living person of Jesus, who meets us today because he is still alive, we do not carry the weight of guilt. We do not play the game of guilt management. We get to experience this new life. We get to experience life in Jesus. You know, my wife and I, we have five children, uh, ages four to 11. And as you can imagine, uh, that creates quite a bit of challenges, especially in the midst of quarantine, uh, but quite a bit of challenges trying to raise uh, five children. And, and, and we have these two words that, that Michelle and I often talk about as we're looking at uh, any given reality at any given point of time, uh, that sometimes as we are raising five kids, it feels like we are thriving that things are going well, uh, our ideas are working, the kids seem to be doing great. And you go, well, we are thriving right now. And other times we'll say, you know what? We're not thriving right now. We're just surviving. And, and, and really, we, we know the difference. Uh, you know, there's a huge difference between our family thriving and our family surviving. Those have become terms in our household of, of, of kind of assessing reality, right? Are we, are we thriving right now or are we surviving? And I want to use those two terms, and I want you to think about uh, your inner life. When it comes to you deep down, are you thriving or are you surviving? Now, you might go, well, yeah, I'm in quarantine, and, and I've lost this, and I've lost that, and, and, and I, I feel all these things. And, see, in the midst of what you're going through, you can still thrive. You can still thrive in, 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 on your soul level when you understand that there is life in the person of Jesus, that in the midst of death, Jesus breathed hope and life and, and, and the grave could not hold him down. See, when you understand all that, even in this season right now, you can have tremendous hope. But guilt management is not thriving. Guilt management is surviving. If you want to thrive, you need to experience the living person of Jesus. You, you need to allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to infuse you, not just someday down the road, but for right now. And so today we want to give you the chance to begin, maybe for the very first time, to start spiritually thriving. To, to go, you know what, I don't want to keep playing this game of guilt management. I want to leave that behind. I want to begin to experience the way to life that Paul is talking about here. And, and so I, I want to acknowledge that some of you that are watching right now, maybe you've never, uh, you've never decided to follow Jesus. It maybe has never made sense to you. Maybe you've never understood why. But maybe today for the first time, it's clicking for you. You're going, you know what? I need that. I, I want that. I don't want to keep playing this guilt management game that I'm playing. And, and maybe you thought that was, uh, that was Christianity and you were, you were experiencing it. And now you're realizing that's actually not what Jesus intended for you. And so I believe that, that some of, of you watching today, maybe you need to make a first time decision with Jesus. So you say, you know what? I want to go down this road. I want to experience life with Jesus, not the way that I have known it. And we want to come alongside of you as a church. Again, wherever you are, we want to come alongside of you and, and, and walk this road with you and support you through this and figure out what would this mean for you. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, because we're not physically gathered together, we're going to do this digitally. I'm going to invite you, get your phone out. You probably have it out already. Uh, but I want you to text 
ALCPNW to 31996, okay? Uh, you can see at the bottom of your screen there. Just text ALCPNW to that number. And, and that is going to invite us just to reach out to you and, and to figure out, hey, what's God putting on your heart right now? What, what do you need to do? And I, I pray that, that you have the courage and the boldness to say, I, I need to take a step forward today. I, I need to experience this hope. I need to leave the system of guilt management that I was living in. It's not working. It's a bad solution. And you need to embrace something better. You need to embrace what life really feels like, not just for eternity, but for right now as the living person of Jesus meets you here today. And so some of you, that, that needs to be your action step today, that you would text that, that number and say, I, I need to take a step forward. I, I, I need to, to step out in faith and figure out what this would mean. But all of us, have a response to Easter. All of us have something that we can do. And so to everyone else, and maybe you're going, hey, I made that decision a long time ago. Here's what I wanna ask you. What is it that you need Jesus to do in your life? What is it that you need Jesus to do? If Jesus is alive, if the grave could not contain him, what is it that you need the living Jesus to do in your life right now? We're gonna transition our service into a, a song that our, our band's gonna play for you. This is such a powerful song. It's called Watch What He Can Do. And it takes this idea of if Jesus is alive and if you submit your life to him, watch what he can do. If he conquered the grave, there's nothing too great. Watch what he can do. What is it? that you need Jesus to do in your life right now. The hope of Easter is that he is not dead. We are not stuck managing our guilt on our own. We get to experience something so much greater. We get to experience forgiveness once and for all in the person of Jesus as we experience him in relationship. And I can, I can think of nothing better that I would hope for each and every one of us that we would get to experience the living Jesus and we would get to watch what he can do in us. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you meet us here? Would you meet us in this place? Would you meet us where we are? And God, I pray for boldness right now for anyone who has never taken this step, who has never truly surrendered their life to you. They have been managing it. They've been uh, trying to figure out this, this guilt on their own. And God, I just pray that you would free them from that, that you would allow them to release that and to experience life with you, that you are not stuck in the grave, that we get to see your beauty and your love for us poured out on the cross. And we know that that works because death could not contain it. And we can experience that same reality today. So God, my prayer for all of us is that we would get to watch you show up because you are still alive and you are still moving and you have something so much better for us if we will just trust you. May we experience that in Jesus' name we pray, amen.